0: This is Geek Gab with your hosts, John, Brian, and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. That's right, Geek Gab for Sunday, August 7th, 2016, episode 63. The episode entitled Matt Damon is Born Again and Suicidal Squad Mates. Now, you may wonder why we can't just include the title of the movies in the show. It's because we have discovered, to our sorrow, that if we do, companies will issue DMCA takedown notices... And get our entire channel erased from YouTube for weeks at a time so I have to come up with puns I have to labor to come up with puns painful painful puns which of course me being the educated erudite elevated human I am. I sneer at the puns as being the lowest, basest form of humor. And so it physically causes me pain. Obviously, I am telling you the whole and entire truth. I am not shading that a bit. No, never. I would never make a pun not for the brutal and cruel imposition caused by our United States Congress. But I have a question. John, have you had any DMCA takedown notices against you this week?
1: Nope. It's been a pretty quiet week on the litigation front, I must say. I've uh, resolved that by staying inside a lot and playing a lot of games. Anything new and exciting? Uh, nope. There's some, uh, there's some great, uh, tournaments going on this weekend on Twitch, watching a lot of Heroes of the Storm, playing a lot of Heroes of the Storm. Um, got, uh, almost got my D&D game back up and running, looking forward to that. Uh, going outside and doing fun things is really popular over the summers, or so I hear. Uh, I, I even had to cancel one weeknight to see uh, Weird Al in concert, which was—I mean, you have to do that, right?
0: Oh, I did. I did a couple years ago. He came uh, came here to Utah to the state fair, and uh, my sister found out about it. Uh, and this is—she's now uh, one of my favorite sisters for doing this. Let us know that it was going on, and so uh, we all got to go see him at the state fair. It was—it was just cool. It was awesome.
2: Uh, Weird Al is at the top of my list of acts. That I've always wanted to see, and I've somehow managed never to go see.
1: Well, he's he's going around now on his mandatory fun tour. So, as the title implies, you have to go. Oh, that's still going on.
2: Oh, good. It yeah, is, yes, I do. It is technically mandatory. It, it's right there yeah. in the title. Okay. So. Right,
1: yeah. He so played- I mean I think that's that's the ultimate in, in geekiness right there. I thought I thought playing Dungeons and Dragons at work was the pinnacle, but no, it was skipping your Dungeons and Dragons games so that you can go see Weird Al at the zoo. That's the that's that's it.
0: He played Yoda in our when we went and saw him. That was awesome.
1: <laughs> that was his encore. Uh, his encore was he and his whole band and, and group and everything got out on stage in Star Wars costumes. They even yep. had a guy in a Darth Vader costume, and they did uh, Yoda and uh, American Pie.
0: Oh yeah, yep. That same thing. Maybe that's his like general encore because those are like the cloud, pre- cloud, crowd pleaser numbers. Um. Yeah, that was his encore at our, at our concert, too. Loved it. That was, that was just awesome. That's a great concert. Well, what about you, Brian? Are you being sued to smithereens, or, or, or are you bringing a lawsuit because I have heard that you are being banned someplace?
2: Yes. Although Twitter is banning me in a way that allows them um, maximum plausible deniability. So I'm apparently under some new kind of of deep shadow ban that's gone on longer than anyone else's and uh, I'm honestly fine with it because my my blog traffic and my number of followers on Twitter and Facebook and my book sales couldn't be stronger. <laughs> the the only bigger the only bigger boost I've gotten has been from Larry's book bomb. So this the shadow ban has resulted in the second biggest spike in my popularity ever.
0: Well, there you have it. Thank you, Jim. Congratulations, Twitter.
1: You've you've tried to strike Brian down and made him more powerful than he could possibly imagine.
0: Yes. All right, well, my week, what I did on Friday was I went to the movie theater in preparation for what was intended to be a Saturday show. But did not turn out to be a Saturday show because my body decided to rebel and uh, throw me to the floor brutally, time after time again, to a kneeling position, and then a prone position, and then a kneeling position again, Um, to a Saturday show, and uh, in preparation for the show, I saw three movies. I saw Star Trek Beyond, I saw Jason Bourne, and I saw Suicide Squad. Now since uh, John saw Suicide Squad, the last show we had, we've already reviewed it. I'm not going to give extensive notes except to say it is odd to me in American cinema that men are no longer allowed to to save women ever. Like ever. Never in the entire movie were men allowed to save women. I'm not sure why. That's not true. I am sure why. I'm just not sure why they decided to go with it. I just thought it was an odd decision. And also, the magical transforming uniforms and at one point magical transforming alien were really confusing to me they would wear one uniform getting the piece of equipment for an emergency exit and when this emergency piece of equipment crash landed on the planet and they were dangling from a parachute they would magically be wearing a completely different and more complicated uniform apparently the emergency eject pods on the enterprise come complete with a wardrobe lady to help you change in between scenes
1: it's a it's a escape pod uniform for your safety to maximize your survival rate
0: so I was impressed that they went to that length to ensure that the captain always looked good.
1: Star Trek Beyond. So so I, but before we move on, I, I mentioned something last time where there was this really weird scene where none of the camera angles made any sense. Like the whole scene made no logical sense. Do you remember which scene I'm talking about?
0: I I I I remember thinking that lots of the science and the lots of the scenes didn't make any sense. Well, this is um, like,
1: this is like particularly egregious uh, camera work and and editing.
0: Oh, is it, that the one where they were running around inside something?
1: It was no, it was the uh, they were sliding down the roof of the Enterprise. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, okay, I'm glad. Everybody's caught up now. Everybody's seen it. So they're yes. sliding down the roof of the Enterprise, and, and it makes it's actually a really cool, exciting scene. You know, Kirk does some great acrobatics and shoots up while sliding down. Yeah. Really, like, conceptually they had a really cool thing going, but then the camera made it absolutely... Uh, it was not clear how large the disc is. It, it wasn't clear how far they had fallen, because they had stopped sliding and just started falling. Yeah. it's also not clear how they survived uh, you know the uh, the the uh, the head of the enterprise the the disk falling on them no, none of that was explained adequately with the camera
2: yeah um, American directors can't shoot action which I'll be getting to in a minute in, in our actual review but
1: oh yeah' shadowing well, uh, they, they can't that was. Daddy Warpig, we've got a writer here on the show. This is the kind of bullshit we have to deal with. He foreshadows in a show.
2: They, they flipped the whole thing over like a pancake. It, it reminded me of the scene from Prometheus. Yes. That's, That's what I said, yes. Yeah, That's what I said.
1: The same thing. Yeah. So, yeah, Aww.
0: Star Trek Beyond, good, not great.
1: Yeah. yeah um, I mean, I'm glad you guys liked it, because I I enjoyed it despite its silliness. Uh, I enjoyed it. I'm glad you guys um,
2: Yeah, here's my take on it. Lots of great ideas. Really solid, skiffy, space opera-esque ideas. Oh, I remember what it was.
0: What? Nebulas are not made up
1: of rocks. They're
0: Uh, not. They're not. They're not. That's (laughs) not what a nebula is. (laughs) Nebulas are not made up of rocks.
1: No, but it's it's a thing in space with pretty colors that you have oh. to fly through. That's, that's what they are.
2: I remember. Bad Simon Peg. Make <laughs> Daddy mad.
1: Bad. Sorry,
0: I, I interrupted you. Go on. That's what I, I remember. That's what really annoyed me. That was the science that really annoyed me.
2: Oh, no, you didn't interrupt me. That was perfect timing. That was done. Yeah, it's Star Trek Beyond. A bunch of great <laughs> ideas. Poorly executed. That's That's my review. Glad I didn't pay for it.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jason Bourne my entire review of Jason Bourne is it didn't have as much action as the previous Jason Bourne's it followed the formula of the previous Jason Bournes. so if you've seen the previous Jason Bourne's you know what you're getting into I mean really you know exactly what you're getting into and it has the worst techno babble ever yes really. That's yes a cool statement almost the first line in the movie is this one hacker who's hacking into something from a hacking collective in Iceland, turns to another and says, "This use SQL to corrupt the database." <laughs> now, I, that's that's just not right. SQL is a database format. There are SQL commands that you can use to corrupt a database. But you don't say use SQL to corrupt a database any more than you would say use .doc to
1: corrupt the Word file. Uh, I know know exactly how this happened, right? (laughs) I I know how this happened. Does this does this make sense to you? Does this statement make sense to you? Use this monkey wrench to destroy that me- mechanism, destroy that machine to stop it from running. That makes sense, right? Perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. So someone who knows nothing about databases or computers were told SQL is the square is the is the query language that you use to interact with the database. If you want to get data out of the database, use SQL. Okay. You you can use it to screw up the database. For example, drop this table from the database. <laughs> we don't need any of that data, right? So, so some writer got told, you know, SQL is what we used to interact with the database, and like, oh, that makes sense. So it's like a tool. <laughs> so, so, it, so, so they can use that tool. To, oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. It, oh boy. All of mine's about
0: the movie, and I'm going to go through them because they're hilarious. They get better. Not all of them are as technical as that one. They get better. They're all bad, bad techno battle, and they're all hilarious. There's a line. One CIA agent turns and yells to another. They've breached our classified mainframe. This is being contrasted, presumably, with all of the non-classified mainframes the CIA runs. I'm sending you the shell. (laughs) (laughs) Um... They have the zoom and enhance cliche, of course. Uh, There's a hot chick who first showed up in Ex Machina, um, Alicia Vikander, I think is her name.
1: Yeah, great actress.
0: uh, Who is also in this movie, because apparently she now has the same clause in her contract that the new Robin uh, from The Dark Knight Returns had added in his contract, which is he gets to be in everything she now has that clause it's kinda cool she gets to be in everything so she's in this movie she plays the hot chick CIA lady she's watching this wall of monitors in the CIA room and because it's a Jason Bourne movie you have 40 people in a room in front of monitors and also a big wall full of monitors and they're all talking about the asset is the asset there? have we deployed the asset? where is the asset? the asset will be there in two minutes Where is Jason Bourne? Jason Bourne's on the move. Do we know where Jason Bourne is? How did Jason Bourne get a hold of that information? So on and so forth. On this Lola monitor, she spots one tiny monitor that's scrubbing this real-time streaming video. One second out of a five-minute clip, she spots it, tells him to rewind it, One second, she sees this flash of blonde hair, knows it's the lady they're looking for, finds it, and identifies it. She's a robot, I tell you. In fact, it's my theory that she is actually the robot from Ex Machina. Hmm. I don't think it's the same actress. I think they're literally positing because it's superhuman. No human being could possibly have done this. That's the only possible explanation that the robot from Ex Machina has infiltrated the CIA. It's the only way the scene
1: makes sense. Oh, those movies definitely have crossover appeal, that's for sure.
0: So, hot chick CIA lady is there when the hacker downloads a bunch of files and sticks some malware in the files which you can actually do theoretically speaking you just add a file to all these other files they're downloading you can theoretically do that so here's how the malware works it's on a usb drive you plug this super hacker gets the usb drive from jason Bourne. you plug it into the laptop instantly I mean instantly I mean no time passes the CIA knows the physical location of the laptop not the IP address not the subnet it's on not what network it's on or what country it's in the actual street location the address And they know, almost instantly, that there's one other computer and two cell phones in the room. Like that. I don't know how the malware physically located the device, but this is what's awesome. What's even better. It's malware, right? And yet the one thing this malware cannot do Is delete these hyper top-secret documents it can't encrypt them it can't delete them it can't delay Jason Bourne from decrypting them all it can do is locate the laptop so unlike every other computer virus worm Trojan horse in existence this malware can't do any of that but wait the lady the hot chick who might actually physically be the robot from X machina says they've got a cell phone in the room and you can hack the cell phone and use the cell phone to delete the files on the laptop. Yes, as one does with cell phones in the same room as the laptop. But before, you could use the cell phone to delete the files on the laptop, and I swear I'm not making this next bit up you have to hack through three not one not two but three firewalls protecting the cell phone
1: firewalls are great they can protect everything and this is all one scene so I'm sorry you had to see that man
0: <laughs> when I say this is the worst techno babble ever
1: like like worse than CSI cyber got it
0: <laughs> I am not exaggerating
1: <laughs> as long as they didn't try to whip up a GUI or something we're good.
0: That's what Jason Bourne was. Uh, It it did have some action that was enjoyable, but it didn't stand out from the other Jason Bourne movies. And it had techno babble that was just absolutely painful to watch.
1: Man. So don't (laughs) see that one. I'm glad I missed it.
0: So, that was Star Trek Beyond, that was Jason Bourne, and which brings us to Suicide Squad. So, I don't know. <laughs> That's I'm, a tough I'm, one. I don't yeah. know how to do this. I mean, I've talked a lot, so I'm going to let, uh, which one of you wants to take lead on this? I've talked a lot. I, I, I want to take a little, little break. Let my
1: voice. Brian, what did you think about Suicide Squad?
2: Okay. Strong third act, everything else pretty weak from a story standpoint. Definitely suffered from a lot of and-then
1: syndrome. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. I felt the same way. I was bored through the, through the first two-thirds of the movie, and I'm sitting there going, "This none of this means anything. This is just, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened.
2: All right. Well, <laughs> there you go. I'm, I'm glad we agree. It, uh, it's further evidence that uh, we're, we're not crazy, but once is a fluke, twice is a coincidence. So, Daddy War Pig, probably set things up for you.
1: How how'd you feel about the writing, Daddy War Pig?
2: Um, well, let me back up. I think
0: the concept of the Suicide Squad itself, if you stretch it in comic book logic, it kind of makes sense. Um. To take a bunch of villains, supervillains in jail, stick explosives in their neck to blow their heads off if they give you static, and then set them against uh, suicidally tough comic book bad guys, yeah, that makes sense. Hmm. Um, in comic book logic, and I mean I'm I'm putting this in the same scale as you know the Infinity Stones and all of that.
1: We are talking comic books here, so. But, but 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 I want to I want to divert that for a second because because it's not just a comic book thing. The concept. Um, this is actually a really old story. Have you guys ever sure. seen the the Dirty Dozen? Oh
2: yeah, I love the Dirty Dozen.
1: Okay, so it's the same idea, right? It's just in Go super ahead. villain form.
2: Good point. Yeah, I, 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 You always hear the, you always hear that excuse trotted out for comic book movies. Oh, you could go to a comic store and throw a stick and hit an issue with a dumber plot than this, but, well, I mean, it's not a comic, it's a movie. There, there are different rules for telling the story in a film. Um,
0: I, what I'm saying is that I like the idea. I think the idea right. works. I'm not saying the movie works. I'm saying the core idea works, and so I bought into the idea right off.
2: Yeah, I, um, I think we all agree on that. We were going in there wanting to see some anti-heroic action.
0: And so, on that level, let's
2: so get it on. Yeah,
0: I, I'm taking I'm taking the level of you saying like the first fifty percent of the movie was and then I would say I'm, sixty. I'm kind of disagreeing because she comes in, and she sits down at the table, and says, "Okay, here's what I did. I set up surveillance. I caught wind of. I got intelligence on Harley Quinn. I got intelligence on Killer Croc. I got intelligence on." Um, You know, Deadshot, I got intelligence on... uh, Well, this other guy, uh, Los Diablos, already turned himself in, but I got intelligence on these three people. I passed that intelligence to the right people. The Batman uh, caught these guys, hauled them off to jail. Um, That all made sense. That was perfectly logical. That followed progression of what she was doing perfectly. Um, Her saying this is what the Enchantress is, we got hold of the Enchantress, we went to the cave where she keeps her heart, we got her heart, so now we have, now she thinks she has control of the Enchantress. That makes perfect sense.
2: Um, it does, uh, that that frame narrative, because uh, what they're basically doing there is a flashback, yes. where she's presenting her report on their the, the dossiers of the, of the members, and then kind of showing basically brief origins. That's how they get the origins of all these characters out of the way because one of the most difficult challenges about an ensemble cast like this where you don't have previous movies to set them up is you got to get everybody's origin story told in like five minutes. See? And, and
0: yeah. It was a lot of front-loaded exposition. This movie would have worked a lot better if it had been movie number six in the DC universe yes. instead of movie number three.
2: Yeah, and the one, however, the one glaring counterexample in the dossiers is when they're dealing with um, Flag and Enchantress, because there are a couple of times where there's a jarring, tense break, because everything else is a flashback, and then occasionally those two, when they cut to them, it's in the present. Yeah. Or And, that, and it takes a minute to catch up, like, oh, well, when did that happen? Yes. And they try to weave it in later, and it, it's a bit difficult to wrap your head around and get the sequence right.
0: And and there's some other stuff that happens a little bit later on that where they as soon as as soon as she grabs that one artifact from um, from the room and you know the artifact I'm talking about and that makes sense too why she grabs that one artifact and does the thing she does up until that point everything makes sense but as soon as she starts doing that that's when things go sideways because nothing from that point makes sense as soon as she pops the top on that and the big bad guy comes out. Mm -hmm. Nothing he does makes sense. From his point of view, his plan is stupid. Absolutely moronic, completely dumb, top to bottom, left to right. From his point of view, it's the worst possible thing ever. Because she's hinting that he's weak. She's hinting that he needs to hide and gain strength from humans. And so what he should be doing at that point is playing sort of the alien Mm -hmm. game. Like in the movie Aliens, where it scuttles off, it hides, it emerges, it grabs a person stealthily, and you see a bunch of uh, secret-y, you know, disappearances, and then all of a sudden, boom, things blow up, and that's when you send the Suicide Squad in. But almost, I mean, instantly, big things start happening in public, on a station, in front of cameras, and everybody knows about it. Completely stupid and made no
2: sense. And like I said earlier, big things... Actiony things that are really jarring and hard to follow because American directors just can't I, I, film action.
1: I I'm not sure. See, I'm not sure it was the direction. I think because, um, like that that scene in in Star Trek with the Enterprise flipping over and mm-hmm. uh, like that was bad direction and bad editing. But this movie, uh, all the shots that I saw, like all the pictures. They more or less made sense. What didn't make sense? The narrative didn't make sense. Yeah it, okay. it, it, wasn't, it wasn't clear where we were, whether we were in another flashback or whether we were explaining the story. I, it, was, it wasn't clear until the end of the movie that three days had passed between the, re, the revelation of the bad guy and the, the, the teaming up of the suicide squad and you know and, and the actual showdown.
0: I like, think what actually happened is that all of that material that was stuck in right there with the train station and them going underneath it, I think all of that was intended to be, originally, when Ayers shot it, was intended to be in the flashback right before the bar scene. Mm. Because it's all flashback. Because you can get away with kind of choppy, you know, skip-around stuff in a flashback at the yeah. near the end of the movie when you reveal what's really going on. Uh, and they had to recut stuff they had to reshoot stuff because of some stuff the studio wanted to do and now that I found out what the studio, at least what is rumored what the studio wanted to do I'm kind of on the studio side I wish it had been what they had gone with from the beginning but they moved it forward in the movie which kind of ruined ruined it because they didn't have enough stuff to make a coherent narrative. It's like they chopped out 20% of what should have been there to make that coherent. Either they shouldn't have had yeah. any of that there at all or they should have had 20% extra movie to make that a coherent narrative.
1: Yeah. But, but but I mean here's here's why here's why I'm trying to blame the editing. It's because they, I think they had enough pieces in place to tell that story, but the, you know, the transitions were weren't clean. It, it wasn't noticeable. You didn't know what was going on. It, and it wasn't in a clever way where you know you could figure out uh, where you were in the narrative. No, you're 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 just dropped in all of a sudden. Later, oh, that explains the last you know 15 minutes that I just watched.
2: Yeah, yeah. this movie is the textbook example of a troubled production. Because they started it a while ago. I mean, uh, Tom Hardy had to back out because he was shooting The Revenant at the time. So this movie's production goes back to you know Nardo's Revenant movie, and yeah, like Orpic said, they did a bunch of reshoots because Batman v Superman was at least an audience and critical failure. So they told him, oh man, you gotta make, you gotta lighten this up because the original was very dark. So they had to go back and do reshoots, and apparently. Ayers was under just a ton of stress.
1: Well, that that must that must explain that must explain some of the brighter spots of the movie because the most enjoyable spots of the movie were also the most tonally dissonant of the movie, and I'm talking about every time they're like, okay, let's have a quick scene where you know Harley Quinn is is doing something funny or silly or crazy, you know, on, on the side, right? Yeah. Um, and they were always chopped in really awkwardly with the action. Like the, it was the tone yeah. wasn't the tone wasn't the same. The jokes kind of fell flat. Like even in the audience at the theater, everybody was like kind of like, <laughs> oh that Harley Quinn.
2: I'm glad you mentioned that, because the one thing that I think suffered most from the editing was Joker and Harley's relationship, because everywhere else it is dysfunctional. It's even abusive. Or Every once in a while, I mean, they're two sociopaths. They try to kill each other, and that was apparently depicted in the original cut, but they cut out all the scenes of Joker and Harley like pulling guns on each other, and you know, like shoving them so each other out of vehicles and stuff. Uh, they they cut that out to make make them more sympathetic.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, like um, which which is funny, but you know what it. It succeeded. It was it was really bad for Joker and Harley, but but it, it succeeded because they, they spend a lot of those scenes in these sort of really creepy romantic uh, flashbacks, and then later in the movie she's the only one who hasn't has an actual emotional payoff because they spent so much time yeah. on that nasty, gross, unbelievable you know uh, love story, uh, and then you're like oh. Oh. Yeah. The,
2: the emotional, the cathartic moment of this movie is where they're all being tempted with their heart's desire. They're all being shown visions of what they really want and Harleys like, I'm not going to spoil it, but her, Perfect. Yes. That actually had me misting up a bit. That That was very well done and it's why the third act is strong. Because all the characters do have an arc. They do Get a moment to shine. They do have a payoff. Hers is by far the strongest because of that.
0: The from what I read, and this is just rumors because we don't know for sure, but this is rumors from a leak. The stuff that was added by the studio included the introductions to the characters, where they were kind of they had that uh, almost foil card effect on the screen, and each character had their own pop song. Yeah, that was added by the studio.
1: I kind of liked that, actually.
0: See, I liked that a lot. I thought that's what... Because when the first trailer came out, the audiences really responded to that effect. Um... And so the fact that they went back and they tried to make the movie match the tone of that trailer, and then all the other trailers have played into that tone with different songs, and they have tried to play that part up, because that's what audiences really responded to. That's what they thought they were doing. Yes, crazy. Yes, villainous. Yes, bad guys. Yes, anti-heroes. But kind of more manic and less Hannibal Lecter. Um, And so those parts work not everything the studio added did work and it was being intercut with stuff that was meant to be way, way, way darker. But the stuff they did add, a lot of the stuff they did add, did actually work. And if they had known that from the beginning and had been doing that from the beginning, I think it would have been a better movie overall. And if they go to make a sequel and they shoot for that tone from the beginning and they know that's what they're going for and they can make the sequel go directly for that, I think the sequel will be a lot stronger for it
2: read
1: so so enough about the the awful editing and writing and 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 things like that um, how were, how did you guys think of the action scenes themselves or what did you think of them uh, aside from the fact that they couldn't serve the narrative which was completely bonkers
2: that's yeah that's what I was getting to earlier and I I suppose you're right I, I blame the direction it's really the cinematography and editing because and this is an ongoing problem with especially American productions. I can't film action, specifically fight scenes correctly. Uh, I think I brought up the Jackie Chan documentary well, that I like, watched a while ago.
0: Let me be more specific. They're not allowed to film them correctly if they're going to get a PG-13 rating.
2: Right, and also, it, it's too expensive. Uh, one thing that... like. Uh,
0: you, you, you know, literally opera
2: and Chinese Hong Kong movies have over-American movies is. All of their actors are also trained stuntmen, so they know how to take and give a punch without you, serious bodily harm.
0: You are not allowed to show a fist impacting someone's face with a PG-13 rating anymore. Didn't used to be the case, oh. is now.
2: Okay, yeah, that's that's it then. I mean, you cannot accurately convey the, the full impact and... You can show the, the, fist, coming of, of action can show the
0: fist coming in, you can show the fist pulling away, and you can show the person you know recoiling from it. You cannot show the fist impacting someone's face and get a PG-13 rating. It automatically makes it R.
2: Do they know what that does to people's brains? Our, our brains are pattern recognition engines. It That's it, why. See, in Hong Kong, they actually show the hit twice. Yeah. They cut it so you see it twice, and you can actually feel it, and it's visceral. Whereas it just looks like... um. It, it looks like a shadow played out. It, it looks fake.
0: All the combat looked floaty and
2: fake. Yeah. but it, it, and, and
0: that's not the director's fault. It's not the cinematographer's fault. It's not even the fight coordinator's fault. It is the MPAA's fault. And I'm not saying that makes okay. the movie better, but for the last few years, I don't know when it started, but it's a recent trend. That's been the way the MPAA has ruled.
1: I think uh, I think action movies have suffered for it. I, I, there's no reason to require R in action movies. I think that's that's just a terrible rule. <laughs> I that would happen to agree. It's a disastrous. It's it's
2: akin to them saying, "Okay, all movies have to be shot at 11 frames per second, when 12 is the minimum necessary to create the illusion of motion in the human brain." Like, nope, gotta gotta be 11, so it looks like a bad flipbook.
0: Um, my opinion of, of Suicide Squad overall is that it was almost a brilliant movie. Um, and, and, and I still really enjoyed it. If you can get over that confusing action gap, which we all agree exists in that first part of the movie, if you can get over that confusing action gap, either ignore it or just you know roll past it, the rest of the movie I really enjoyed it has a lot of the same problems that a lot of the action movie does because of this PG-13 rule. But if you can get past that, um, I really enjoyed the movie. I thought it had great action. A lot of the characters had really good arcs. Um, it was almost a brilliant movie, and it only missed it because of the director was going for something very, very different from what the audiences really reacted to and what the audiences turned out to really want.
1: Good me. My, my summary is slightly different. I think if you uh, don't mind the comic book action or you have a special fondness for uh, for some of the characters like Joker and Harley Quinn, like those of us who grew up in the animated series, um, I think you're probably going to end up enjoying the movie. But I think as a movie, uh, the, I think the script is a complete disaster, and like we were talking about earlier the the editing really and, and I'm glad that I heard about the studio stuff because I'd hate to think that like there's this one guy or like this one <laughs> team that edited the movie that that like I'm shitting on right now yeah. like I'm I, I'm glad to hear that a that a couple of uh, guys came in with suits and said hey this has to change right and and sort of messed up his job because I'd feel bad for that guy right mm-hmm. um, but but I think it starts with the script and I think the script is a disaster and uh, so if you like. If you like Joker or you like some of the characters and you want to see a you know a bunch of stupid action, you can watch it. If you like movies, this is a terrible movie. Was I was I too harsh Brian? there?
2: Uh, I'm absorbing that. that. That was pretty strong. If you like movies, this is a terrible movie. Uh, I I wouldn't go that far. There are parts that are terrible. It is good, even great elements alloyed with terrible elements, or at least, um, elements that in a different movie would have been good, but not here. It just, it doesn't really know what it wants to be, is, I suppose, the problem.
0: Yes. Here's the the thing, and I've been thinking about this since I saw the movie. Um, actually, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Please finish. No, I was done. Okay. Um,
2: I need to say over after... uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think that might possibly get annoying. Um, I think they could have done much the same thing they did, and if they had known what they were trying to do from the beginning, I think they could have done much the same thing they did, and it would have come out much, much better. Um, With just a few minor changes to the script, it could have been brilliant.
1: Uh, I mean... My complaints with the script really would all be fixed if they had just done two things: uh, identified and and wrote about a proper protagonist or audience surrogate, which is what I thought the the military captain was supposed to be. Uh, the other thing was a proper villain. Uh, even antiheroes need a proper villain or, or, or a proper antagonist. Mm. Uh, it, yeah. I think I think those two and those are two fundamental failures that just there's the the script has no foundation
2: yeah that's that gets back to what daddy Warping was saying that the the villain is criminally underwritten unintended
0: see I this is what I think might have made um I don't know. We, I can play that game all day, and I don't really have a satisfactory answer for it. Um,
1: so, so suffice it to say that we all uh, kind of enjoyed the movie, but were left unsatisfied. Unsatisfied. Yeah,
0: I, I would have liked if they had they had made the identity of the villain a surprise instead of giving it all away at the beginning, um, so that. Um, so that you found out when the villains found out, when Deadshot and Harley and Croc and Katana and uh, Los Diablos
1: found out that, oh, hey, you know... Right, it was this person all along.
0: It was, you know, yeah, it was this person all along. And then you're like, oh, oh my, no wonder Flag has been X. No wonder, you know, Waller has been Y. No wonder things have been Z. That might have been more impactful. Uh, and there's ways you could have structured the narrative to support that to where I've had a couple of ideas that I've been thinking on how could you have worked it up to that point to make that secret to make it seem mysterious? I just think that making it a mystery up to that point to where you send some people in something goes wrong, but you don't tell the audience goes wrong. You don't tell the audience what went wrong. All of a sudden, People are disappearing. You don't know why necessarily they're disappearing. This ring appears in the sky, and this temporary plan for an emergency all of a sudden gets activated. They grab these four people before they were ready to grab them, send them out into the city in an emergency with the seals. Flag is clearly upset about it. The seals are clearly upset about it. They're not telling him what's going on. Then all of a sudden, you realize it's because something has gone tits up and they're sending these people into an emergency and expecting them to, to scrape the spaghetti off the wall, then you would have felt what these four villains felt, which is, oh yeah, we expected to be kind of expendable. We didn't expect to be this expendable. <laughs> that, I think, is what would have drawn the audience in with them Is expect is all of a sudden not knowing how big the stakes were until that very instant, and realizing what exactly was going on right then.
2: Yeah, and that's that's the move they tried to convey, but like John said, because of the choppy editing, the, the characters felt that way. That's what the characters experienced in linear time, but the audience didn't.
0: Right. Because we were clued in way early, in a really choppy way that was really confusing, so it didn't convey the emotions to us directly.
1: I'm still not 100% sure what the thing... what all the betrayals and the fuck-ups were. Yeah.
0: Alright. Any last thoughts before we go, Brian?
2: Well, as always, be sure to pick up your copy of *Netherial* and Soul Dancer by me, Fun, entertaining, SFF horror. You can find the links below or find it on Amazon. And follow me on Twitter. You might not be able to see what I say, but uh, we can show the man that we mean business.
0: Looks so good they were banned by Twitter.
2: There you go. He came up with that. <laughs> any,
0: uh, any last thoughts, uh, John?
1: Thanks for listening.
0: Alright, this has been Geek Gab for Sunday, August 7th, 2016. You can check us out on uh, YouTube at uh, is.gd slash gab. That that is is.good slash gab. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, just search for Geek Gab. Reportedly, supposedly, if Google did their jobs, you can subscribe to us on Android phones through Google Play, but I have no idea how that works because I can't test it. And nobody who has a Google Play uh, on their phones, has gotten back to me to tell me how it goes. We're also on SoundCloud, under, and uh, I hope this doesn't shock you, Geek Gab. We are signing off for today. But don't worry. Don't you fret. We
1: will be back.